Okay, hello everybody. This is Here Comes the Spider Cast, number seven, covering January 1981. And I got to tell you, Josh, I'm kind of having a feeling of deja vu like I've done this before. Like, do you have that you, feeling as well? You know, I was just about to say the exact same thing. Really? Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, should we let our listeners in on why we both have a sense of deja vu? Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, I lost my audio from our first record of this episode. So unfortunately, we've got to redo the entire thing. But no the problem. good news is, I think we're going to be experts on January of 1981. Yes, at least we year. should be. We're <laughs> doing yeah, this twice. and we should also point out to people, um, much to the uh, chagrin of um, another, uh, you know, co-host of mine, Mike Dell. We record our audio separately. We talk to each other over Skype, but I record my audio on a Zoom audio recorder, and you record yours on what? Just the computer. Yeah, I have a, a a mic set up to my computer. Okay. So and then basically, here's a little tech secret for every, everyone. I basically take the audio, sync it up, and so ideally it sounds perfect, you know, both audios sounds perfect on both ends instead of one of us coming through a phone or anything like that. Right. And especially since like recording over the internet, sometimes the internet will cut out or it'll lag a little bit or there'll be exactly. some feedback or something. Having the two separate audio tracks uh, allows us to clean up the audio a little bit easier. Um, right. But again, it also comes with its uh, uh, cons as well. Right. <laughs> if one person's, person loses the audio then the whole episode is pretty much gone because the only audio we had left was Mike talking to himself. Which I could have posted, but well, yeah. <laughs> I thought better of it. Yeah, you, okay. you guys could have f filled in the blanks, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so um, do you want to start us off then? Amazing Spider-Man 212. Yeah, so uh, it, we're going to be doing January 1981. Um, we're going to be starting off with Amazing Spider-Man 212. Then we're going to move on to Marvel Team-Up 101. And then we're going to finish off with Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 50. Yep. So with uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 212, we uh, pick up where we left off in episode or issue 49 or no, uh, issue, issue 211. 211, yep. And uh, we catch up with Spider-Man helping uh, Deb's uncle out on the boat. And we get the origin story and the first appearance of Hydro-Man. Right, which is really cool because I had always thought growing up that Hydro Man was a classic Marvel, you know, Marvel Spider Man villain just right. because his superpower is so basic. Like, you know, you figure you have Sandman, you have, um, I don't know who else you have, but basically it's a simple power of water, a guy made out of water. So I was really shocked to learn that this guy didn't, came along so far along in Spider Man's history. Yeah, you know, and if you, if you look up like uh, Spider Man's rogue gallery, a lot of the times he's up there with the rest of them. Sure. Yeah. Like he he he'll be so, you know, he'll be in the lineup with with the rest of them. I mean, I guess Venom is even younger than Hydro Man, but uh, I guess it's kind of well known though. No, well known that Venom is a little bit newer, but yeah, Hydro Man seems way more classic and sure. Older. More, yeah, like more more primal, I guess you'd mm -hmm. say. Yeah. So yeah, so th this issue is written by Denny O'Neill again. Yep. And uh, it's drawn by John Romita Jr., whom we all love, right? Yeah, another Some people uh, hate. We classic. I, I, I really like him. I'm, yeah. I, I think especially now that I'm going back and reading a lot of these, I'm, he's like, it's like falling, falling in love with his art all over again. Yep. And I think, you know, a lot of times, like for me, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I was probably more attracted to the flashiness of 
Todd McFarlane or Eric Larson or someone mm-hmm. like that. And they're both good. I do like them. But John Romita, wow. Like, uh, just looking, like, this is his early style. It's nothing like he draws now, but it's so straightforward. His storytelling is flawless. And mm-hmm. uh, and it, with the inks of Jim Mooney, it just gives it that classic Spider-Man feel. And I also want to point out that just this, there's only three, art, three maybe five, there's only a handful of artists that are working today who I will buy any comic they do, okay? Um, I'll just list them quickly. Frank Quitely is one. Chris Sprouse is another. Um, Brian Hitch is one. Uh, maybe Ivan Rice. Ivan Rice is, are you familiar with Ivan Rice? No, I don't think so, actually. He's an he's like a an excellent art. He's like a modern day just well. He's like Brian Hitcher, Neil Adams. He's just one of those guys. What does he do? Like what is he most known for? Well, he he did the Aquaman New Fifty Two reboot. Okay. And then he did Cyborg, and now he's doing Superman with Brian Bendis. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's just like a classic, you know, superhero type artist. And anyway, and then the fifth one on that list is John Romita Jr. And so this week, I just picked up uh, Batman number eighty one simply because he drew it and unfortunately it wasn't very good written by tom king who i really like but that issue was terrible and so i do enjoy the art on that issue but the story was bad so i kind of regret it but whatever i still right. love john Romita jr so anyway back to this issue so yeah. yeah you can yeah so this is kind of a so yeah interesting because the the origin of hydro man comes out of the previous story right so right yeah it's definitely connected to the uh, the previous issue, which is kind of unique because usually with a superhero origin story, you'd kind of just have like a done in one or or whatever. But this, you know, if you just read the issue before, when you get to the end of two eleven, you kind of feel like okay, well, the story's over. But it's kind of one of those ones where it didn't have to continue, but it did, and they managed to use it to set up Hydra Man, which I thought was cool. Right? They they kind of like uh, they use the ending of the other one to start a new story so it's not necessarily that it's connected but it's Mm -hmm. a nice jumping off point that we don't have to reintroduce the fact that spidey's on the on a boat in the middle of the ocean right 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 so i think that was really clever and and well thought out that they kind of plan these back to back so they can introduce this new villain without kind of any hitches or bumps or anything right and uh there's some cool so basically so this guy um hydro man his power is they can basically turn into water. Now, there's some cool things that come out of this. Um, one of the things I liked is the way that they introduced him reminds me of the way that a TV show would uh, introduce a villain nowadays, probably starting in the late 80s or 90s. So I'll give Denny O'Neill credit for that. Denny O'Neill is known mm-hmm. for being a more realistic uh, writer. Instead of just sort of having the guy get his powers and then magically knows exactly how to use them and he goes out and starts robbing banks, he has to kind of, he doesn't even realize that there's something different about him. So he just looks like he's sweating profusely throughout the story. Uh, A woman comes in at a bar and is sort of commenting on that. And then at the end of the scene, he just turns into a puddle and then sort of disappears, right? And then in in the next page, he sort of materializes almost like Terminator 2 coming up out of the water. And that's when he realizes that he's got these powers. And so then he goes out to find Spider-Man to get revenge, right? Right. And, and I, I really there. like that, that yeah, they, they kind of do a little bit of a slow introduction. And I think that, again, rolling off the previous issue and not having to have like a backstory or like a setup for Spider-Man while he's there, they right. can just kind of jump right into this character and focus on what's going on with him and show him kind of learning how to use his abilities. It's 
kind of reminds me of Spider-Man. How he, sure. he, when he gets his powers, he has no idea how to use them. He's got to learn and practice. And we kind of get a little bit of that with Hydra-Man. Right. At least at least a hint of it. It's not just kind of pushing you right into the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say... I, as much as I do love it, there is some like fun goofiness to it with him kind of uh, searching for Spider-Man by popping up into every single drain in New York until he finds him. Ridiculous! Yes. Yeah, it's it's Come- it's, it's it's goofy, but I love it. Uh, yeah, I love it too. I can forgive it. Like a guy's watering his lawn. He comes up out of like the puddle. Uh, a woman's doing laundry. Another guy is, a, a janitor is mopping a floor and he comes out of the bucket, which makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the, the janitor must have had to like fill it up at the tap and he he went into the bucket from the tap and then waited for the right moment to jump out after he's already been mopping the floor. Right. Like, it's just goofy. Ridiculous. Yeah. And, but you know, it makes me just realize this would make a great villain in like one of the movies, eh? Like, imagine what they could do with the CGI. You know, just coming right. out of the water would be great. I mean, yeah. you kind of got a little bit of that with uh, Far From Home. With, okay. With uh, but it, it the ended elementals up being, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it ended up being like uh, a spoiler alert if you haven't seen Far From Home yet. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being like a Mysterio mirage. Sure. So. Uh, but I, I guess you kind of, yeah, you got a little bit of that, but I would like to see this actual character kind of show up again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And so, yeah, and another thing is, uh, you know, we were talking about Ramita. I love Ramita. Um, but at, the one thing about the art is that it's very, like this art in this issue with this character is very, I don't, I don't want to say unimaginative, but I think nowadays, even if it was John Ramita doing it, John Romita Jr., he would have thought of a more creative way to show the water, like maybe show him tr- translucent or show, you know, more of a, a, a of a gradual change from right. the water to the person. Whereas here, it's just jeans, T-shirt, and then water, you know? Yeah, and it, and it might be easier to do that today with uh, having, like doing it digitally and having the layers and being able to mess with the transparency. Right. But... Um, I guess they're limited back then. Right. But I, I do, I still do appreciate the fact that they kind of showed him like transitioning from water to uh, like human, and like sure. having like the that gradient almost of like you can see him coming up from the 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 hose or jumping mm-hmm. out of the washing machine. Like they still have that, which sure. I I thought was was great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, one strange thing about this issue is there's the subplot. Um, where Peter Parker, you know, we always got to touch base with Peter Parker's supporting cast. And uh, there's a weird scene, not a weird scene, but I think a poorly written scene where he goes to talk to um, J. Jonah Jameson. And there's a ridiculous scene. I'm just trying to find it here. Um, I just had it where he, where is it here? It's on page, um, oh, here it is. is it digital, 15? digital, sorry, digital 19 and the original 18. Oh, okay. Where he goes to talk to J. Jonah Jameson, and Peter's like, um, he goes, uh, I do have a request from Spider-Man. He <laughs> wants you to print a challenge from him to Hydro-Man, demanding a showdown at high noon tomorrow atop the Caton building. He says that's the only way to force Hydro-Man into the open. Then JJJ says, okay, I'll print it because it'll make a good story and maybe get the web-headed nuisance out of our collective hair permanently. Uh, I, I can't see J. Jonah Jameson agreeing that easily. And, right. And it, it, it's it so does preposterous. Seem, yeah. 
yeah, it seems very like rushed and forced. Um, like it, I don't think it's necessarily a bad plot point if they would have done it no. properly. I think, or if they would have you know done a little bit. Like maybe they could have had uh, Peter realize he's not going to print it, so he kind of. Uh, like tricks JJ into or, or, or right. tricks him right right I'm yeah like there's kind of like yeah. a reverse psychology like ah too bad we couldn't right. do anything maybe this guy right. th- maybe this crook can uh, get rid of the Spider Man and he's like you know what? that's a great idea I'll I'll print a story right now you know right. so yeah I, I, I think if this was Roger Stern uh, who's writing spectacular at this time I think he would have you know we we kind of talked about how in a in a Roger Stern story when when Spider-Man tries something it doesn't always work the first time there's always like a something that sort of trips him up right or like an obstacle mm-hmm. and it seems like here uh Denny O'Neill's kind of just it's like the plot is very convenient just because he wants to get through it you know right so unfortunately then we i mean you know what uh I like fight scenes. They're not my. It's funny because I love superheroes, but fight scenes are not my favorite part about superhero comics, and they tend to take up too much space. And in this issue, it takes up quite a bit of space. But one thing I really liked, and I think you liked, was mm-hmm. the way that Spider-Man um, sort of uh, outsmarted him, right? Oh, I loved it. Like I-, I love when when Peter Parker has to come up with a way to get over the villain's power. It's not right. just a punch for punch. He's got to figure out what uh, his what the villain's strengths are and what its weaknesses are, so that way he can take that weakness and like adapt and learn how to fight them that way. And what exactly. he does in this comic is he throws a bunch of newspapers and like towels and clothes at Hydro Man, and it slowly start they slowly start absorbing water, which takes away a lot of his mass for him to be able mm-hmm. to actually fight him and, and make a difference in that fight. Because mm-hmm. uh, beforehand, he was just punching, and it kind of didn't really do much. It was you know, punching water. Right. So. And then, uh, speaking of punches, he then, now with a weakened Hydra-Man, Spider-Man punches him. And <laughs> as is usual in a Denny O'Neill Spider-Man story, it kind of is very quickly over after that. There's only three more panels. Right. It, it is a little bit rushed, but not as rushed. I was going to say he, the last he is panel. getting a little bit better. I think it it still feels rushed. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but it does feel at least a little bit better because there's like a panel kind of explaining, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like an epilogue type of thing where we see a, a panel with a shot of New York and it starts raining. It says at 4:15 that afternoon, a cool breeze sweeps in from the west and the sky darkens. Millions of New Yorkers raise their eyes and. In a sigh of relief, the heat wave is ended and the soothing rain begins to fall. Soothing and very, very strange. So it's a kind of a nice like hint that he's going to come back, and it right. ends the story and ties in uh, like ties up the uh, the line from earlier how it's been extremely hot and that's why Hydro Man was sweating so much and kind of turned to the puddle earlier on. So sure, it was it, yeah. Uh, it's a little bit better than his normal like rushed last panel being him defeating the mm-hmm. villain but yeah definitely better and I, again the prose is fine I, it's a nice little wrap-up so i'll definitely give it extra points for that like overall i think this is a fairly classic issue of spider-man like yeah i'd probably give it a seven out of ten like i recommend it as a good solid issue of spidey what do you right think? yeah no for sure i think this is definitely my favorite issue of the week of uh, the month as well yeah i think so, you're right yeah it's mine too yeah yeah it's a lot of fun. So that brings us to Marvel Tales, or sorry, Marvel Team Marvel Up. Marvel Team Up, right. Yeah, Marvel Team Up. 
Um, We've got number... uh, Spider-Man and Nighthawk in issue 101. Right. And do you want to introduce the creative team? Sure. Let me just jump to the beginning. So okay. we have um, J.M. De, De Mattier, I believe. Oh, by the way, I you believe, you know, it's funny. I, I've been corrected. I think it's, how did you pronounce it? J.M. De Mattier. Yeah, I think you're right. No, I was going to okay. correct you, but you're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. But anyway, so he's okay. the uh, writer. We have Jerry Bingham as the artist and Mike Esposito is the inker. Right, and uh, J.M. DeMattier is most famous, at least to me, for doing the funny Bwahaha version of Justice League International. He was the r- dialogue writer on that. Did you ever read that? No, no, I haven't. It, it's highly recommended, at least for the first two or three years. Really? There was okay. no- yeah, there was nothing like it at the time. Um, it started out as Justice League, then became Justice League International, then Justice League America, and it was drawn by Kevin McGuire. And then later drawn by Adam Hughes, and it was written, it was plotted by Keith Giffen and dialogued by J.M. DeMattier. And it was, again, at the time, there was nothing like it. It was it started off serious, then became sort of a satire, almost like Ghostbusters level funny. And then as the years went by, it got really goofy, unfortunately, and over the top, and then it just burned oh, out. Oh, no. Yeah. But anyway still recommended good book and right. he also he's also the writer of craven's last hunt he also did defenders right i was gonna say i i think i most recognize him for craven but mm-hmm. yeah also Moonshadow from uh he was an early vertigo uh writer oh Moon right Shadow. i think i remember yeah. you saying that or, yeah was maybe, maybe Moonshadow was uh marvel i can't remember at this point but it doesn't matter so anyway so this is kind of a weird issue um now nighthawk uh, i just want to talk about nighthawk briefly um I believe you said you're not familiar with the Squadron Supreme, right? No, I'm not, yeah. Okay, so for those that don't know, <clears throat> pardon me, Squadron Supreme is like Marvel's sort of homage to Justice League. Originally, I believe it was... Now, I know that people are going to cut me down if I get this wrong, because I haven't actually read this story, but I believe the Squadron Sinister was created first, and they were they were a parallel... They were a, a group of superheroes from a parallel dimension. No, no, that's wrong. I've got, I, people are going to kill me. I'm going to have to cut this part out. <laughs> I believe Squadron Sinister was, was first, and I think they're from our dimension, but they were all evil. And then right. Squadron Supreme was from a different Earth, and they were they were a homage to the Justice League, so each member corresponded to a DC superhero. So there was, That's really so cool. It's, it's, oh, mm-hmm. it's very cool. So Superman was Hyperion, uh, Batman was Nighthawk, um, and then there was, jeez, uh, what were the rest? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Aquaman was Amphibian, and on and on and on. And then basically, they kind of just hung around on the fringes for like a couple decades, just like Quasar. And then eventually, they got a miniseries, then they got a graphic novel, blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, so I again, I'm confused about their backstory because I know that there's two versions of Nighthawk. And the Earth-S version, or Earth-Squadron version, looks almost exactly like Batman. And then the Marvel 616 version looks like this. So the other Nighthawk is more... Again, blue and gray, and this one's okay. more like kind of bird themed with uh, different colors. Right. But anyway, so and, this... and you know what? If you are like, if if we do ever get anything wrong about comics history or anything like that, we would love to hear you know what you guys have to say about that or correct us in the comments or we know, would love give us we would love feedback. to be. Right, we would love to be um actually by right. anyone listening out there, right? Yeah, because I, <laughs> I, I, I think we both have a love for comics, but I don't think either of us are necessarily experts. Oh, well, you, you're you're probably more of an expert than I am, at least. I think but... I'm only an expert 
on a certain period from about mid 80s to early 90s as far as superheroes go i know that era inside and out but i mean the thing is is i mean when i was growing up if there was no way for me to read anything that came out before i mean i mean obviously you can go dig through back issue bins but if i wanted to read these old stories how was i ever going to find them how was i ever going to find avengers number you know 72 or whatever uh like around 87 is when they started with marvel masterworks but those were 50 bucks a pop right Mm-hmm. And, and trade paperbacks were not common. So it, it unfortunately, I kind of wish that, you know, growing up, I wish I had access, like digital access to all these comics because I would have ate these reprints up, you know? Yeah. But it's like, it's taken yeah. me so long to get to the point where I have access to them all now. And obviously I'm still excited about it, but I know that I would have been more excited when I was like 13 and 14 reading these mm-hmm. old comics, you know? But anyway... What are you going to do? Okay, so back yeah. to the story. <laughs> so so this yeah. is a weird issue. This is a weird yeah. issue. It doesn't really feel like a Spider-Man comic, does it? No, it feels like a Nighthawk kind of like... like It's basically like they wanted to f- wrap up a Nighthawk story, and they just mm-hmm. happened to have Spider-Man, Spider-Man in it. That's what it feels it. like. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I suppose that it is a Marvel team-up, not a Spider-Man, but, I mean, he is the through line through all the, for all the Marvel team-up. Uh, right issue so i don't know i i I was thinking about that after like the last time we recorded we were talking about how it doesn't necessarily feel like a a spider-man comic i guess do they all have to like do all the marvel team up ones have to feel like a spider-man comic maybe it is more interesting to kind of like visit other characters and have spider-man kind of take us through their story yeah that's a good point that's a good point but Unfortunately, I think in this case, it doesn't work at all because the story that we're given is not very exciting. It's very melodramatic and goofy and corny and like it doesn't flow or or work for me. Um, No, no. (laughs) I mean, I I find this one similar to the Howard the Duck one we we listened to or we we read a a few uh, episodes ago. Where it it kind of felt like a Howard the Duck comic, but Spider-Man was there along for the ride. And I think that works if you're going to give us a good Howard the Duck comic and introduce us to that character and that character's style of writing and talking to us and how they narrate. But if it doesn't work and it's not a good story, I'm not going to be interested to continue on. And I agree. that was the case for Howard the Duck. And I think, again, it's the case for Nighthawk here because, yeah, the story was not super fun. No, and it's a case of I think it's that you have a you have a good writer, you have a good artist, but it doesn't jive as a comic book. Like, yeah. like just this like just this week I I um we actually oh, this week on um Flea Market Fantasy, we actually did a Spider-Man comic. It was uh oh, cool. Amazing Spider-Man, I believe it was 111, and it was written by Jerry Conway and drawn by John Romita Sr., who is you know, the greatest Spider-Man artist ever. I was going to say you know? the yeah. Spider-Man artist. Yeah, absolutely. The, the definitive artist. Yeah. And there is an example of a comic where all the elements work. The writing, the pencils, the inks, the color, even the sound effects, right? It's like a perfect package. Everything works together. In this comic, you have components that are good. The writing's good. The art is good. Blah, right. blah, blah. But, but it doesn't fit together. And when you look at like, you know, you look at a page some of these pages and it's just loaded with dialogue and captions and like, you know, uh, going to like say page seven, uh, or 
digital page actually sorry digital page eight which is right. original page seven my god i look at this page and i mean unless it's alan moore i look at a page like this and i'm like i don't even want to try i don't even want to read this because right. i know there's not going to be a payoff and then not only that but you start out with this weird scene of these two people camping this gigantic caption explaining what's go like not even explaining what's going on but just introducing you to them and then they're talking about something that's unrelated and then two characters you never see again there it's just so right. much dialogue we have, and we have like 13 big dialogue boxes or in bubbles yep. just on this one page mm -hmm. and we only have like six or seven panels like it, it's so overcrowded with words and uh it's really relying on the writers to tell the story and not the art itself right and i think that the key to really good comic art is to like that should be what's telling the story and not necessarily the writers. The writer should be doing like good dialogue and coming up with good stories. But I think it's the artist's job to tell the story in a appealing way that you don't necessarily need the words to even be there to understand what's going on. Totally. And on this page, we get two characters that we've never seen before. We'll never see again and don't have anything to do with the story it's really it really feels like a don't drink kids psa right, right just slapped right. kind of right in the middle and it it's not subtle it's not it, there's no comedy in it uh we get these campers like just sitting out by a fire and one is like drinking a lot and one of them says something like shouldn't you be putting down the wine and she looks up to the sky and sees spider-man and nighthawk swing by and she says you know what on second thought i think i'm gonna hit the hay for the night and stop drinking like it just, I don't know. I, I think last time I said, it, I think it would have been better if, again, it was it was shown and not told what was happening. Where the kids are partying, they're drinking, they, you know, they're like chugging, chugging, chugging. And they're, as they're doing that, they're looking up at the sky. They see the character swing by. They stop. They look at the bottle and they put it down and walk into the tent. Right. Like it, you don't have to have like so many like bubbles and and so much dialogue to explain what's going on we get it and, and that's the thing is that the dialogue should only give you information that you couldn't possibly get from the art now granted right. what they're saying you obviously couldn't figure out uh by looking at the art but the point is is what does their dialogue add to the story it adds mm -hmm. nothing it's just a way for it's just a, it's almost like a way to just fill space you know it's kind of pointless yeah. very it, pointless yeah and the thing is, is it also comes down to, you know, comic books are a specific art form. And, you know, for example, with, let's just say TV, when you're writing for TV, TV is all about, like, say a sitcom, you know, that you only have 22 minutes, you know, that there's only maybe a, what is it an 11 minute segment, you know, that it's all about timing. And, you know, I'm sure that a, a script for a sitcom is refined a bunch of times. Well, with a comic book, you're limited by pages, right? You're limited by space. And so you, you can't just be a good writer. You have to be a good writer of comic books. You have to know how to use that page properly. And I think that's the problem here is that these are talented people, but they're not using comics to their fullest extent. Right. And then we have the next page, which is my favorite page of the oh, whole comic. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Digital page nine. Uh, oh. What in tarnation is happening here? Okay, so we have a <laughs> demonstration, um, an anti-nuclear demonstration, okay? Right. But this is a weird scene where 
Spider-Man and Nighthawk are entering the fray way in the background. In the foreground, you want to talk about <laughs> not quite using the medium properly. Uh, yeah. We have we're focusing all of our attention on these four extras sort of at the front here, and I can't really figure out what's going on because we have two guys on the left who are, are kind of have these Letterman sweaters on, and they're both drinking beers, but one of them looks like he has a straw attached to the guy's crotch. I can't quite figure out what's going on there. Um, yeah, I think it's a cigarette or something. Like it's, but it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Like I'm zooming it. It kind of looks like one, but because of like it's sort of like a tangent line. It's like connected to the line on his and, pants. And it's yeah. It's a, it exactly ends where the other guy's pants right start so it really looks like it's something coming out of his pants and it, it yeah. looks so awkward and weird the guy that's like drinking the beer has his pinky up and it yeah the beer point. the beer isn't that. even like he's got like the thumb facing his mouth and he's not uh -huh. even like the beer's not even touching his mouth and there's no right. liquid coming out like it's just so weird then you've got the other two on the right this yeah, guy with long hair is just kind of standing there with a, you know, hand in his pocket. And, and then the other guy's hand looks like it's touching that hand. Right. And he's got like a joint or something in his hand too. And it's just so, yeah. uh, it's so weird. And I think the weirdest part about this is the fact that they drew these characters drinking and smoking and kind of like taking a break from the protest. When we later find out that they're not even humans, they're robots that yes. are being controlled by Nighthawk's uh, undead girlfriend. Yeah, like it's so, I, I, it's so out of place and like uh -huh. weird. And and this this entire page is practically a splash page. Yeah, like pointless. this this panel that we're talking about is over two thirds of the page. Mm -hmm. And you you have like a tiny little panel up at the top with. Spider-Man and, and Nighthawk swinging through the city. And then, yeah, it's just this giant, you know, panel with really so much going on, but at the same time, nothing. Exactly. It's so... It's, it's just, again, it's just poor planning. Like, you yeah. know, ideally, I would, I would assume the artist would plan the whole story out and go, okay, I know I want pages 7, you know, 15 and 22 to have double page splashes. But... Be specifically because of story points but this is not this does not deserve a, a splash mm -hmm. it's ridiculous but anyway so so I, I honestly this story i just read it like this week i barely remember what happened but i think you do so you feel free to fill the listeners in on what's right. going on here so at the beginning we get a little bit of backstory of nighthawk how one day he was uh driving drunk with his girlfriend and they crash into a tree <laughs> and we find out that she passed away. Yes. Um, and he's kind of held that uh, and kind of held that guilt for a while. Mm -hmm. But we find out that the villain that's um, kind of been after Nighthawk and is controlling these robots is his girlfriend that apparently did not die. And her whole goal is to capture him and tie him to the same car that they crashed and crash <laughs> it into another tree to kill Nighthawk. Talk about a convoluted motivation and a right. convoluted story, eh? And and on top of that, at the end, she comes to her senses and confesses her love for Nighthawk and he does the same and they 
they're together again at the end of the issue. But mm. the only reason this happens is because Spider-Man says something like, come on, don't you remember that you love him? And then she kind of just snaps out of it. There's really nothing that uh, leads yeah, up to this, really... changing her mind or like this whole setup this... was like, you know, pretty much one mm-hmm. piece of dialogue and she's just like oh you know what you're right i did love him mm-hmm. that's a great point there's not really a big climax there's not really a big decision that's made right. it's kind of just yeah i did love him you're right and then the story's over yeah um kind of a rushed ending um i mean it's it's not again it's it's hard to pin down what's what's wrong with the story but i think that we've sort of nailed it it's like it's like a, it's trying a little bit too hard to be serious but then yeah. it's hampered by freaking robots that are doing it's just the all none of the elements add up it doesn't it doesn't right. it's not cohesive you know and and to show you like uh how it's trying to take itself too seriously there's on page seven of the digital comic original six we have at the bottom left hand corner we have spider-man bound like putting it like bowing his head right reminding himself about uncle ben yep and kind of relating that to the death of night uh nighthawk's girlfriend or... girlfriend yeah and then at the end we have like a little cloud of uncle ben coming back again while he's while spider-man's swinging away looking down on them on yeah the last it, panel. It, like it's just uh i know I, I really don't like when they i mean if you're gonna exploit uncle ben's death that's you know do it better than this right like, right and and i think maybe it would have been a better payoff if 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 the story was a little bit more serious and took itself seriously right and, right, and right. if it was more of a heavy story i think that bringing up uncle ben and kind of allowing this new character to learn through peter parker's past Mm-hmm. would be a good way to ha- uh, you know a good reason for these two characters to be teaming up in this issue and sure. it would be a great way to um wrap up the whole story and connect it with spider-man and like it would feel natural but because mm-hmm. the thing the whole story feels disjointed and not really cohesive and goofy at parts especially with like the protesters pulling out guitars with guns in them and mm-hmm. like sharpened metal signs to slice away at spider-man like it just doesn't fit well no and you know what's crazy i I don't understand how we've already done this review and neither one of us noticed this but did you know there's a backup story in this issue yeah i was just gonna say that we we completely skipped that did you uh, read it for our last recording i did um okay i didn't read it yet but feel free because i mean it's written by mike w Barr, who i'm a big fan of because of his work on brave and the bold and some other stuff so how was and it's drawn by spider-man's co-creator steve ditko so it's a little goofy but it's okay it's fine um so nighthawk is flying around and he he says something (laughs) like he's taking he shoots he shoots like missiles out of his wings and i think mm-hmm. he's just doing it to let out some steam on on like a an old abandoned building yeah. so he just he's angry and he's like you know what i'm just going to fire at this building i don't really care this is a mm-hmm. great way to let off steam and by doing so he collapses a bunch of rubble onto this crippled little girl 
mm-hmm. and he has to go down and hold up this falling piece before it falls on her. And it's like three or four pages of this girl trying to crawl away while he's holding up this piece of building. And the sun is coming out, so he's losing his powers, which is something I didn't know about. He only has his powers at night. Okay, I didn't know that either. Oh, I guess maybe that's why he's called Nighthawk. Right. But the rest of the but the previous story was during the day, so I also don't know like how true that is. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so weird. Like the 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 story we were just reading with Spider Man, it's set during the day. Mm-hmm. But uh, and yeah, the t- yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna have to read this and get back to you because I don't know. I've, I didn't even read this story. It's, I don't know how. It's I very it like drawn out. Like like mm-hmm. there's literally three or four pages in a row where it's just him holding up the building telling like yelling at this poor girl to crawl away and she's screaming that she can't because she's in too much pain right okay like it's just yeah it's and then at the end she finally gets out of the way he drops the building on himself and he comes he pops out of it he's like i'm fine my wings protected me but they wouldn't have been able to protect both of us if the building fell and Yikes. then he flies away. Well, I'm still going to read it. Yeah. Because I like Mike W. Barr and Steve Ditko, but I don't know if I'll enjoy it, but whatever. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that issue, uh, not essential reading. No. Can't really recommend it. Probably will never read it again. No. But that brings us to Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 50. Right. The big anniversary issue, right? Yeah. So, who did, so let's talk about this one. So yeah, Roger Stern, <laughs> mm-hmm. John Romita Jr. again doing two comics one month, which is unheard of today. Right. And inked by Jim Mooney again. Um, this is another weird one. So uh, uh, we, we did talk it, about last time. The reason why there might have been double duty was because it feels like we get only we get like half of last issue story. And then the first half of a second story, and that's probably due to the back issue. Well, yeah, the backup story, yeah, because right. there's a backup story um, featuring White Tiger, and my theory is that they either were late with number forty nine and just dumped the White Tiger story into fill pages, or maybe they just needed to do something with White Tiger, so they threw it into that issue and then just cut out the last few pages of Spectacular and just push them to the next issue. But either way, it just makes for a very awkward issue, especially because it's number 50. Yeah. And it should be sort of a, mon- you know, like a, a landmark issue. An event issue, but, kind of thing, yeah. Right, but no, it's just filler. No, and, and again, like it really feels like the last half of a story and then followed up by the first half of a new story. Totally. Like they don't have anything to do with each other. About halfway through this issue or this story, we get another completely different storyline, and you can almost see right. exactly where the the first story ends and the next one begins. And right. because um, we have a back story, we or not a back story, the um, the back issue. What is it ba- called? Backup. It's called a backup story. Yeah, backup, backup story. story. Yeah, yeah. So it it it's a this one comic is divided into thirds. Really, right. it feels like. Right. And and neither of those three parts feel compelling in any way. And no. Don't connect. And oof. Yeah, this one it's was rough. a little rough. 
Yeah, because we wrap up the, the smuggler story. Um, the cliffhanger last month was, you know, I can't put, you know, smuggler down, but I can't keep fighting him. So what am I going to do? And it was a very weak cliffhanger. This month picks up and basically throws that out the window. <laughs> yeah, it, it just, just drops the, the problems of last issue. Right. Like, oh. So a week ending to that. Then we go into the second uh, storyline where... Um, uh, Spidey uh, ends up going out on a date with Deborah Whitman and then his Aunt May and his uh, her fiance Nathan Lubinsky. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like nice to kind of touch base with them again. And then it goes into another flashback to Uncle Ben. Okay, fine, fine. I can forgive it, right? <laughs> right. Sort of a recap of his origin, which is interesting to see because it's always in- interesting to see different artists draw that classic story, right? Because you can kind of compare it. That's true, yeah. This art, but, however, doesn't look great. It's right. not the and, best art from these two people, right? And also at the same time, like it, I can, I can like see this so many times. Like I know, I know. <laughs> it's it's like the it's like Batman's parents' death too. Like how many times am I going to see the pearls drop to the ground? I know. It, it's it gets annoying, and the thing is, is that as time goes on, it. it it's better to sort of just allude to it or hint at it. But at this, in this recap of Spider-Man's origin, it's almost panel for panel. Yeah. Right. So it's not, yeah, it is kind of annoying. So yeah, another kind of weak part to this issue. Then we get to the next sort of part of the story where Spider-Man ends up fighting a bunch of guys that look like aliens, um, which is the image they used for the cover to, hook you in but i always thought that cover the cover is not my very favorite. weak yeah yeah weak cover kind of a, a I, throwback to the 50s it, yeah it's also just like kind of plain with the like all white background right and then I and then know. well yeah what ends up happening is we find out these aren't actually aliens right it's all just is it an illusion? Is the whole thing an illusion? I I assume so. So the the aliens uh-huh. end up taking Peter Parker away. They they originally went to abduct Aunt May because she has information that they needed. But Peter Parker steps right. up and says he has the same information. Don't take her. Take me instead. So they mm-hmm. take Peter Parker into the spaceship, and they abduct him. And it turns out that it was actually Mysterio. Right. So it could be an illusion. Or it could be maybe Mysterio's goons. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. The thing is, too, they, they put him in a spaceship and he does actually fly away. So it's not like the spaceship is an illusion either. Good point. Yeah. So I guess we'll find I out know. next. Yeah, we'll find out next issue how much of this is an illusion. Um, Not a great issue. Like, basically, I think mm-hmm. Roger Stern's first storyline was really good with Belladonna. This yeah. is not a great follow-up. Obviously we know, or I know cause I've read it, but it does get better as it goes along like this era, but mm-hmm. this is certainly not a good chapter in his run. Yeah. Not super great. No. And then we have a follow-up. We have a backup story that I, again, did not read, but you did read. So do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So this one, we really just pick up where we left off from last week's, um, backstory mm-hmm. and a backup story. And, it's yeah, White Tiger I, getting a little bit of information from this uh, police officer in uh-huh. the alleyway, and he finds out that um, the people that murdered his family, they've got a couple of places where they might be hiding out. He goes to the first one, and he 
like starts beating up the person that's in there, like scaring and threatening the person that's in there. And it turns out to just be a homeless dude. So then he's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, like I, I shouldn't have done that. So then the next place he goes to, he's a little bit more cautious and doesn't jump right into fighting. And because of that, he ends up getting overtaken by um, Gideon Mace's mace uh, and his goons. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the story ends is him getting kind of tackled to the ground. So again, not a whole lot happens. Um, I don't think it was bad, but it also wasn't very eventful. And the fact that we never really saw White Tiger ever again. Maybe we did, but we certainly don't remember it. But right. he obviously didn't amount to much after this, right? So Yeah, and, and I'm curious to see if this is just filler or if they yeah. are building up to having him team up with Spider-Man. Because I think it, I, I think that if they're if that is what they're building up to, I think it could be a fun kind of mm-hmm. introduction to slowly sure. introduce his backstory and see what he's going up to throughout the issues. At the same time, we're reading Spider Man, and then that way, when you do see him team up, you don't really have to go through everything about him. You could just kind of throw him in with Spider Man and uh, focus on that story rather right, than right. focusing on who this character is. But if they don't do that, I, I think it's kind of a waste of potential. Like, I don't know. Well, well see. Unfor- yeah, unfortunately, this at this point, at least in this last month or two, Spectacular definitely seems like the B Spider-Man yeah. series. Um, however, because Roger Stern eventually gets um, awarded Amazing, I mean, it's obviously because at, at some point they realized he was the better writer. He was doing a better job than Denny O'Neill. And so um, I have read some of those issues and they're great. So that is coming our way for now. Right. It's not not spectacular. Definitely not a, a good issue. I don't really recommend it. Maybe give it a 5 out of 10. Yeah, if that. Yeah, like, if that, right. 4 to 10 maybe. It's just yeah. not a good issue. It's a and, mess. Right? And I think, I think, again, it has to do with just kind of the two different stories in one and it doesn't right. like you know neither the first half of the spider-man story or the second half of the spider-man story really go with each other and we just kind of exactly. get a glimpses of, of what's to come so yeah yep. not super great nope no. so unfortunately so that's it for this week we have um that's it for uh january 1981 Next right. week, we'll be covering February 1981, covering Amazing Spider-Man 213, Marvel Team-Up 102, and Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number 51. Right. And uh, you can catch us over at uh, Comic Syndicate uh, at twi- on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and see what you think about the episode. You can also find us on Facebook at The Comic Book Syndicate. Uh, let us know what you think about the issues that we read and what you think of the next issues for next week's episode and we also want to know what you guys think about the podcast we want to hear some feedback and you know keep the conversation going so uh yeah find us there all right so we will see you again next monday on here comes the spider cat